uh, to get the correct information and to to do our due diligence as a council, as a school committee, and as a finance committee, it does take a little bit of time. Well, I care for Franklin Matt is Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9. Wednesday was yesterday, town council meeting last night. Today's Thursday. We got to do town council quarterbacking with our town council chair, Tom Mercer. Tom, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Steve. Always good to see you uh, and speak with you. Uh, not that we didn't vote. Uh, Three hours ago, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's always good to come back with these quarterbacking sessions. Yeah, especially since last night was a three-hour meeting. We can condense it hopefully to 20 or 30 minutes today and make it a little bit easier for the folks to at least kind of get the gist of what went on. Then they can clearly dig deeper where they need to. Absolutely, yep. All right, and for the listeners, if you're familiar with what we're doing, great. Welcome back for the newbies. We're going to focus on two kind of key questions as we recap last night. Okay, what just happened? And what does it mean for us Franklin residents and taxpayers? And without further ado, we'll get in. You had one appointment. Uh, uh, Sounds like it was an uh, associate moving up to a full slot for the Agriculture Commission. That's correct, Steve. Uh, Danny Morris, uh, uh, lifelong Franklin resident that up off of Spring Street, uh, Forest Street. He uh, has moved from an associate member of the Agricultural Commission to a full-time. So, uh, you know, I thank Danny for his uh, time and uh, stepping up and uh, taking this appointment. So we look forward to some good stuff. Indeed. And I guess he's already got a good reputation. It's been mentioned in the council of comments about that as well. And considering the dominoes now, does that open an associate spot that we still need somebody for? Uh, I believe so. Uh, but I think uh, Jamie's got a couple of apps for that. Okay. So yep. I'm sure that will be coming. Sure. Yeah. That's not a problem. We figured we'd mention it because as we've talked periodically, if there are openings, put in a volunteer application, um, and even if something doesn't pop up right away, there may be an opportunity over time because those are still kept around. So, And then you went into a couple of public hearings, uh, one around the zoning bylaw adjustments, uh, relatively minor, but key in terms of what had been made, the changes approved previously for the accessory dwelling in particular. Um, there were needed some tweaks to this particular one. From what I yeah, recall. Yeah, uh, this is something that uh, the EDC committee uh, and planning board have reviewed and made some adjustments to make uh, in one area, uh, in one zoning uh, area uh, downtown that would really just allow uh, some of what is now single family uh, residences to maybe include a second uh, uh, portion uh, and not uh, by changing the lot, uh, the area and the frontage 
and the height requirements so that it would allow maybe a second apartment above. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it also, as I recall from the discussion in the EDC meeting, it also aligns us with the MAPC uh, recommendations that came out with a Franklin for all as well. So the biggest, biggest point, uh, that being just that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. That's, yeah. uh, and uh, respectfully, the planning board in their review agreed on two of the pieces, but not on the key ones. So right, the, the town council right. went forward and said, hey, you know, we're just going to do this. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the planning board had a different opinion on the uh, on one of the pieces and uh, the council decided to move forward with what the EDC had recommended. So, mm -hmm. uh, again, last night was first reading. Uh, there's another reading that will happen at our next meeting, uh, September uh, 6th, and uh, uh, then we'll move from there. So, adjustments still could be made if they if the council sees fit. But uh, from what I heard last night, I believe that uh, the council is pretty supportive of the numbers that the EDC brought forward. Yep. Yeah. And I think given the MAPC piece, the Franklin for All discussions, uh, respectfully, I understand what a planning board may be coming from, but I think being in alignment with that gives us the chance. We can still change it over time if we need to, but at this point, it's part of the overall package to Councillor Frangelo's point. We need to be allowing smart growth within our key areas without adding infrastructure. And this is one of those steps in the process. And, and that's exactly right. And as you stated, Councillor Frangelo brought up a, uh, a really good point. And uh, in, in just that, it allows uh, where we do have infrastructure, uh, uh, it allows us to do a little bit more with those lots in those areas, uh, whether you go from a single family to a duplex or mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, yep. It allows us a little bit more flexibility uh, in that area down Dean Ave uh, and Street down in that portion of town. So. Right. Yeah, the GR5, General Residential 5. Yeah, GR5, yep. 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 And then the second one was more of a technical cleanup. Um, you've already created previously, and it's been fairly successful, in my opinion, uh, as well as financially. The town has benefited from the cannabis and marijuana overlay district. And because of some changes to uh, property owners and uh, like the church moved out. So now there was enabling kind of the removal of the restriction to some additional properties, et cetera. Um, and because of other changes like that, I mean, the uh, the economy in Franklin certainly is dynamic. People, I think, are aware of that. But every once in a while, when somebody moves, um, well, we need to look at what that change really means. And particularly because in this case, where there's, what, 200 and 500 feet restrictions around certain things, we just need to make some adjustments. It, that's exactly right, Steve. And uh, that's what we are in the process of doing with this first reading of this bylaw amendment, uh, where it removes, uh, again, we put in these overlay districts uh, back many years ago uh, in anticipation of this statewide law uh, passing so that we were in a good position for the 
community and they were put in in the industrial areas and things have changed change over time and basically i look at this as uh really just uh housekeeping cleanup of some of these areas and to your point kenwood circle at the end of kenwood circle there was a church so some of those uh parcels weren't uh allowed to be part of the uh, marijuana overlay district uh but the church now has moved so those uh, those lots could be or those parcels could be put back into the overlay district and at the same time uh the industrial zone up by the ymca there were a few parcels there that really should be should have been removed from the uh, overlay because of their proximity to the YMCA. Right. So uh, those were adjusted. The one other parcel was uh, that was discussed last night was the Dell property up on uh, behind the fire station up off of yeah. King Street, and that property. Uh, was removed the big pars the big Dell parcel was removed and really that was removed because on one end of that property it is within uh, the 500 feet of a uh, daycare center sure. so that really took took that parcel out of the restriction and you know just to Jamie's point, that's a 750,000 square foot uh, building that probably is never going to uh, warrant uh, a cannabis sighting. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so anyway, the, it, it's really it was really viewed as a housekeeping cleanup of the marijuana overlay districts and. Uh, uh, that everybody supported uh, what was brought forward by the town planning department through the EDC now at the council level. Right. Yeah, it was uh, approved unanimously at EDC, uh, equally unanimously, albeit there was one missing uh, absent, uh, but 8-0. So, yeah, I don't foresee any. Because it's cleanup, there's no real material today impact. It just mm -hmm. sets us up so that if something does happen along the way, somebody could. <laughs> and then you went into uh, a fairly lengthy presentation on multiple topics, mostly around the DPW. Certainly, they covered all their projects. And then hopefully folks were sitting down. And if they weren't, the sit down before you start seeing that last page <laughs> in terms <laughs> of the financial outlooks. It's like, whoa, yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, and... I think it's we feel it's really important to bring the different town departments in to talk about uh, the projects that they have going on and what they see out for the next three to five years as we talk about uh, uh, budgets and looking to the future. It's important to hear directly from the department head. So Brutus came in last night and uh, all of his uh administrative team uh were there and talking about uh the projects that are going on uh the projects that are coming up and uh a long-term 
look, uh, which basically was the last page and uh, projects uh, moving forward. But uh, most importantly, uh, you know, the biggest project on the horizon is obviously the Beaver Street Interceptor, uh, which is uh, uh, really going to probably start sometime next year, where we'll be replacing the main sewer line from Beaver Street to uh, the other side of 495. So, um that's a huge project. We uh, appropriated the uh, uh, the financing of that project uh, this past year, and uh, it's something that's long been needed. Uh, we'll be replacing a hundred-year-old pipe, uh, and you know, uh, not jokingly, but you. Uh, could see me last night crossing my fingers uh, uh, as we look at this project over the next year. We've done a good job at uh, trying to maintain uh, with all the water that's been, all the rain that we've had this, this summer uh, and the uh, uh, into our drain drainage systems. Uh, the pipe has held up, uh, but we know it's just a matter of time, and we're hoping that that time is over a couple of years from now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, but that's a big project and it, you know, will interrupt uh, businesses in that section of 140. Uh, there will be many meetings held to uh, help those businesses as best we can uh, in minimizing uh, the interruption to the traffic flow in their area of the community. But, uh, you know, we'd be lying if we didn't say it's going to be an interruption uh, because it definitely uh, will be. So uh, we hope to have many meetings uh, with, the, with the business owners as well as the community so that people understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and when it will be done. Yeah, I'll add to that like I did last night. Uh, I was fortunate to talk with Doug and Jake, uh, spent about 90 minutes with them as we went through uh, the complete uh, update, effectively following from the flush all the way through. <laughs> um, we divvied it up into three podcast episodes. They've been on the radio. They'll continue to be on the radio because here, to your point, it's going to be around. I think their projected timeline is over three years anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. They do start later this year, to my understanding, along Beaver Street doing some of the initial piece. They have to build that initial lift station. station. And then yeah. it's my understanding, according to the timeline, and again, weather dependent as well, it'll be probably February, March, April, as the weather starts breaking, they'll be along uh, 140, um, taking a lane, a section at a time as they work on that. And that's where the real interruption is going to be. Yeah, for sure. Because as people think about it, you know, there are some uh, like the Shell Station. So they've got two entrances. So one may get blocked. They still may be able to do business through the other one. But at some of the other places like Elizabeth's, that opening is so small, they may get shut for the time that they're in front of them digging the hole. 
that clearly is going to have to be communicated. And I, they also <laughs> humorously introduced the new logo, et cetera. So there's this smiley poop emoji <laughs> that'll be indicating the project updates accordingly as they go. <laughs> Leave it to Brutus and the DPW to come forward with uh, uh, that emoji. And uh, I do like it. Uh, I do understand uh and it's appropriate for sure yeah uh, uh keeping the flow going i think uh keep franklin flowing keys. yeah and you know as well with that that that's only one of the projects uh there are many uh we know the kind of shapes uh our roads are in we know the kind of shape our sidewalks are in and there was a lot of discussion about roadways and sidewalks and where do we get the money? How do we get the money to uh, deal with the, uh, that infrastructure that w is definitely needed? And, uh, you know, to your point, the very last page of uh, his uh, presentation last night was looking out uh, to the future, uh, uh, you know, three to five years. There's 120 to 192 million dollars in DPW projects that we are going to need to do, mm -hmm. uh, and that's all kinds, all of the water department projects and everything. But that's a huge, huge number yeah. uh, when you talk about putting, you know, a few million dollars a year towards. Uh, those projects now to look to have to put $30 million or uh, $20 million and $25 million into uh, it annually just to deal with uh, the lower end of that number. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, uh, this is, he didn't do it to scare us or scare the community. He just tried to put, uh, you know, a little reality slap on us to say, you know, this is what this is what we're looking at. These mm -hmm. are the projects that need to get done, right. and we need to. And obviously, there are grants we can apply for, uh, and we are continuously applying for that can help along these lines, but. Hopefully the state comes forward with a little more money too. Uh, but I don't think we should hold our breath for that. Uh, mm, not, not totally, not for all of it, for sure. Certainly it'll help us in case in point, the uh, Beaver Street Interceptor, if I recall, uh, the state funding gave us a one and a half percent interest rate on the financing. So yeah. that certainly helps us considerably. Again, those are the kinds of things that the state has stepped, have been very good about stepping mm -hmm with uh but uh we still have to finance the money uh, right we still have to borrow it to pay and then uh, and then pay it back yeah uh, even at the low the low very low interest rate that we were able to get for and that you know steps into uh our ability to borrow money and mm -hmm. one triple a status uh uh, that's a huge, huge item that not everybody pays attention to. But because we have that status, it gives us borrowing power that uh, makes some of these projects uh, 
makes us able to fund some of these projects yeah. and borrow to do it because of those very low interest rates. Agreed. Yeah, and the other piece too, the, to alleviate some of the pain and the shock and awe <laughs> in the big numbers. Frankly, and I think we've discussed, and it'll probably still be part of some of the budget discussions going forward. Some of those fundings will be split up between kind of the sewer usage fee, the water usage fee, and the stormwater fee. There will be a key piece, at least from a, say, a roads, parking lot, and sidewalk perspective that really comes from the operational side. So it won't all be in one bucket, but exactly, it, it's still money that's going to need to be spent exactly. <laughs> carefully. Exactly. Yes. And that kind of gives us a nice segue into, we didn't have a chance to really ca capture uh, your feedback after the joint budget subcommittee, August 2nd, but there was really that part two of the meeting uh, last night where Jamie went through the override operational details. And then attorney Sorrell went through some of the do's and don'ts that everybody needs to be aware of that as that work continues. And it will certainly take some time as I think everybody's been aware of it. The numbers aren't going to be easy to come up with tomorrow, but they will come up and they will be right at some point. Exactly, Steve. So, you know, uh, just to briefly, you know, kind of lay out the picture here. Uh, everybody's aware that uh, inflation's been growing at six to eight percent over the last few years. Uh, we've been able to increase taxes. Uh, we're limited to two and a half percent. So there has been uh, override suggestions out there from the public. Uh, uh, and we had a joint budget subcommittee meeting a couple of weeks ago where we started some preliminary discussions as to uh, looking out the next three to five years. We've asked the school department to put together a three to five year plan. Uh, the uh, municipal part of uh, our government has uh, put together their three to five year plan. And as we move forward, we need to look at that uh, to see how we continue to fund the level, the current level of services being provided to the community, both in the municipal part as well as the school part, mm -hmm. uh, providing the current level of services. Is that what the community wants? If they do, how do we fund that? And the only way uh, would be with some sort of an operational override uh, down the road. So this is just the beginning steps. And uh, it was the first discussion was uh, with the Joint Budget uh, Subcommittee. And last night, what we were uh, talked about is what is the, what are the procedures? How does this happen? Uh, how does this get started? And what can uh, elected and paid town officials do and what they can't do as far as uh, uh, going out to the public and speaking of overrides. And basically, it's the local officials, the elected officials can have much more leeway than the municipal employees or the school employees. 
there is some restrictions there about actually asking or promoting. Uh, but can they provide information? Absolutely, they can. And uh, they need to provide, and we need to provide the public with the facts and figures of what we're looking at over the next three to five years. The very difficult part is going to be down the road, once the three to five year plan uh, we get from the school department, we look at the municipal departments and we put those together. And then it's, you know, uh, my plan is to have the joint budget subcommittee, which is made up of the finance committee, uh, the school committee and the town and subcommittees of the town council, uh, have them work very hard the numbers uh, as to what, when we get those those numbers, we're not going to be able to go to the public with the with those numbers because they're going to be extraordinarily high mm -hmm. uh, to look at the needs. But it will be up to us to look at it and say, okay, what can we? What can we handle? What can the community? What will the community support? And what does what does that number give us? Uh, in other words, in services as we move forward. So these are very, very difficult questions and I'm determined to go move forward slowly to make sure we provide facts, actual facts and actual figures. Uh, you know, the, uh, as I said, this, the municipal part of uh, our government uh, has been working on their three to five year plan in defense of the school department. Uh, they have a new superintendent and they have a new business manager now mm -hmm. as well. So it's going to take a little bit uh, more time uh, for the school committee and the school administration to come forward uh, and bring to the joint budget subcommittee. But we can do a lot of the prep work beforehand. And, and that's kind of what uh, was discussed last night so that uh, the elected officials as well as uh, the town official, paid town officials, understand what they can and cannot do. Uh, they can certainly go out there uh, and talk about it and provide information uh, to the community uh, and to these other boards so that everybody's dealing with facts. And I know the uh, One Franklin group, which uh, I certainly uh, applaud their efforts. They've been uh, very active and in the joint budget subcommittee, the town council chambers was full. It was packed. Uh, there wasn't an empty chair, as well as uh, on the Zoom call of that meeting. There, there were two or three pages of uh, uh, Zoom people on on the call listening to uh, the what the process is, how we're moving forward, and why we're moving forward forward. Uh, from this point, uh, and maybe not quite as quickly as some people would like it, uh, like us to, but uh, to get 
the correct information and to to do our due diligence as a council, as a school committee, and as a finance committee, it does take a little bit of time. So uh, as we move forward, this is going to be an ongoing discussion. We will uh, have further joint budget subcommittee. Our next one, uh, I haven't set the date yet, but it's going to be probably the end of September, the beginning of October, where uh, we'll have another one. We probably won't have the school department's three to five year plan by then. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll have some information and we will continue to help educate the community as to uh, what the needs are to provide the current level of services uh, that they've become used to. And then ultimately, it is the community's decision as to whether they want to continue with those uh, and move forward with an override, because it's ultimately the residents vote as to whether it uh, whether we move forward that way. It is the council's decision to put a uh, uh, a comprehensive uh, ballot question uh, forward uh, to give the community the opportunity to make the decision whether we do or don't. Yeah, and I think one of the key pieces, and you're probably thinking about it, is I think about it, uh, listening how many other opportunities we're going to have between Tri-County potentially coming through. We still need to listen and figure out what MSBA is going to do. You're starting to work on the police station building committee. That'll take time before you even get to a point at which you may need some money to to do whatever your proposal is. Um, and then obviously the the override. So potentially it could be like almost every year there would be a question and that kind of at least expectation setting people should start thinking about. Granted, we really don't know the numbers yet, but there's a possibility it could be almost every year that we're being asked to do something. And that's going to be an impact because no matter which what it is, it's still coming out of one pocket hole, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the, there's only one part and you're correct, uh, and and I feel. Listen, there isn't any any of us. Uh, there isn't anybody sitting on the council, and I don't think there's anybody out there that wants to pay more in taxes. Right. Uh, but uh, the reality is, uh, what do you want from your community? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the services that you want? And yeah. uh, I just would say to our residents and people listening. Please tune in, tune into the council meeting, tune into the school committee meetings, tune into the joint budget subcommittee meetings, because this is where you'll get the information to make an informed decision. And I feel for our seniors and our people that are on, uh, you know, fixed that, yeah, fixed incomes and that are sitting out there saying, I can't afford another dollar in tax. Mm -hmm. I get it. And I I totally understand right. uh, that, that that is the uh there are those people out there. And certainly we don't want anybody moving out of uh town for that reason. But by the same token, uh there are costs that 
we need to deal with as a community, and it will be the community's decision moving forward as to mm-hmm. how we deal with those. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've encouraged many before. We'll encourage them now. Stay tuned. A lot will be happening <laughs> on this one as we go forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And in terms of some of the, the near future, we already talked, you've got your police station building committee kicking off next Wednesday, as I recall. Yes. And next Wednesday, six o'clock, town hall chambers, the, the first meeting of the uh, police station uh, building committee will uh, will be meeting. I will tell, say that it will probably be a relatively short agenda. Uh, but uh, the first meeting will be held next Wednesday, six o'clock, town council chambers. Yep. And then upstairs at 6.30, the uh, master plan committee meets as a whole. They've been busy with their subcommittees meeting separately all along the way, but the master plan as a whole committee gets together next Wednesday, coincidentally, starting yeah. at 6.30 upstairs. <laughs> Yeah, yes, they certainly do. And uh, Councillor Jones, Councillor Frangillo uh, have done a nice job getting that master plan committee off the ground, get, getting the subcommittees going. It's a Herculean task, mm-hmm. uh, uh, putting a master plan together. So I applaud their efforts and their uh, push to get these things going early on and uh getting the subcommittees going so quickly so yeah good thing then one other teaser for the council meeting the first one in september so it'll be after labor day but i don't think we really get together until after then anyway but um the dean college president ken elmar will come and provide an update uh absolutely uh and i think that's uh you know the communication between uh Dean and the municipality has really uh, improved dramatically uh, over the last year. Uh, Ken has really uh, brought forward a that they want to work closely with us, uh, opening their doors, uh, opening their opening their gates, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, Taking down some of their fences in case. And yeah. some of their fences as well. And working in conjunction with uh, our administrators, uh, uh, not only on the school on the school side of things, educationally, but as well on the municipality part of uh, our government, and working together and uh, just doing some really good things. And he's uh, he gave me a call the other day and asked if he could come forward uh, uh, with an update as to things that we've uh, done together and things that we're looking to do together. Mm-hmm. Been pleased with the progress, certainly when he and at the time the chancellor came before the council, they clearly was like a breath of fresh air. And to their credit, to his credit in particular, the chancellor's moved down to another opportunity. He's got a big thing to do there, but <laughs> that's another topic for another day. But the yeah. president certainly has a lot on his plate. And yeah, he's he's making things happen. So I, yeah, he, it's that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with yeah, that. For sure. For sure. It's a great thing. So yeah. look forward to his update on September 6th. Well, thank you for helping us recap. Hopefully the listeners will be able to, in this kind of 30 minutes or so, get a gist of what was happening. And if they want to go deeper diving, they can certainly do so. 
Thank you, Steve. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I enjoy, enjoy uh, reducing our three-hour meetings to 30 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, when we could actually reduce the three-hour meeting to 30 minutes or so, but <laughs> <laughs> business needs to be done in public and you know, under protocols and all that kind of good stuff. With all due respect, I totally appreciate that, and thank you for you and the other counselors for doing what you do, because you know this is a good place to live, so... It is a great, it's a great community. And I, I guess I stated, I think at the last time, uh, uh, so many of these things going on and so many of these budget things going on, uh, it's important for the entire community to know we are, we are one Franklin. And uh, I think uh, the name that the uh, group looking uh, to the future uh, has, taken on is is just really mm -hmm. something near and dear to me near and dear to my heart which is we are one community and we need to work together to make us even better moving forward absolutely neighbors no one friend neighbors helping neighbors yep for sure all right well thank you have a good rest okay. of the day we'll catch thank you after you the, the next one and okay. for the listeners Thank you for listening. We do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.